back to this It's time for the 5-Minute Major Podcast. What is the uh, significance of that name? Now here's your hosts, Matt Mastro-Giovanni and Dave Morris. That's what the people came to see. A 5-Minute Major Podcast. What took you so long to finally seal the deal, my man? Let's go. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Five Minute Major. Dave here, as always, with my broadcast partner in crime, Matt Mestre Giovanni. How's it going this evening? <clears throat> Good. I'm, I'm just trying to clear my throat a little bit. Of course, once we start recording is when like, everything gets raspy, but um, doing all right um, before. I feel like tonight, the weather-wise, is the calm before the storm, literally, because our area is supposed to get smacked with some rain tomorrow. Like um, downpouring all day. Yeah, from the, the remnants of Tropical Storm Nicole. So um, hopefully those who got affected today in Florida are doing all right. Yeah, and after, I think after this rain comes through, we're actually supposed to get like fall weather finally. Like legitimate like fall weather where it's like in the low 50s, high 40s. It's about damn time. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, but with that, we do have some hockey to address. We're not going to talk about Philly sports like we have been in the last couple podcasts. You know, it, it's it's just it's just been bad, except for the <laughs> Eagles and Flyers. Things have been bad. R.I.P. Yes. Phillies and Union. Uh, <laughs> but moving on. Source subject. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the the first sports city to ever lose two major championships in one day is Philadelphia. Yay! Uh, but any hoodles. Uh, we do have some Flyers hockey to talk about. The Flyers currently, um, much still to the surprise of everyone, um, keep on winning, are in a playoff spot, are in the thick of things. Um, overall, the entire Eastern Conference, they're the fourth. Um, well, they're fourth in the, in the division. Um, they're 7-3-2 and two with 16 points, a plus-four goal differential. They're four one-on-one at the Wallace Fargo Center, and they're three two-on-one on the road. Um, of course, you know, as we were recording last week on Tuesday, a game that eventually you thought maybe the Flyers can steal one from the Rangers at MSG. They lose one nothing in overtime, get a loser point there. It is what it is. Carter Hart was fantastic. They followed up the next night by battling back against the Toronto Maple Leafs for a little bit, um, but still at the end of the day, they end up losing 5-2 to two to a better Toronto team. Um then last Saturday, the 5th of November, they play the Ottawa Senators and Claude Drew for the first time. And the Flyers squeak out a win there. And then just last no, Tuesday evening, not last night, but the 8th, um, the St. Louis Blues come to, come to town. A struggling St. Louis Blues team where mm-hmm. the Flyers for the first time all season, actually from start to finish, were the better hockey team and looked like the better hockey team. Um, and they played pretty damn well, and that was a 5-1 victory. Um, and as we're gearing up right now, uh, in fact, underway currently, the, we, we just love to be recording when the Flyers are playing games this, this <laughs> year so far. But they are currently underway against the Columbus Blue, Jack, Blue Jackets, in which the game is still 0-0. Um, but, Matt, what are your thoughts here on the last four Flyers games that we have to uh, talk about? Um, I mean, pretty good for the most part. Um, 
I mean, a couple of tough losses between the Rangers and then against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and then they, they go to Ottawa. They win 2-1 to one against the Sens, which is good. The first game that they saw called Giroux. Uh, so ever since he's been, he was traded, well, yeah, because we didn't play the Panthers last year. Um, after, he after was yeah. And then um, Claude Drew actually making his return to the Wells Fargo Center this Saturday. I will be in attendance. There will probably be emotions and just, I mean, hopefully the Flyers do him right with a ceremony, with a good ceremony. Um, we've seen in the past the, the fans and also the team has kind of dropped the ball on that sort of stuff, i.e. the uh, the Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren Flyers Hall of Fame celebration. So hopefully people will be there early. Um, you can have your thoughts of what you think about Giroux and the situation he put Fletcher in because of obviously kind of pigeonhole, pigeonholing him with wanting to go to Florida. But, hey, the guy wanted to go where he goes. He deserved that, and he's always going to be one of the best flyers ever. So can't complain. So, but going back, I mean, Toronto, I watched bits and pieces of that game. Also the Rangers game, I mean, a one nothing loss in OT. Can't really complain too much about it. Um, although the Flyers did get heavily outshot, 36-19, to 19, so I guess they kind of deserved to lose that game. It could have been a lot more worse than one nothing. Um Could have been one of those 9 nothing games that the Rangers had. Was it last season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kinda, That's a problem. Yeah. But also, again, being a back-to-back, they move on to Toronto the next night. Another kind of tough loss. They lose 5-2. to two. Tavares has a hat-trick against the Flyers. Um, and, I mean, Toronto... They're a good team. I think better than the Flyers on paper, obviously, with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Giordano. They got they got good firepower. So, again, a tough one for the Flyers, a little two-game skid there. Um, but they bounced back against Ottawa. I didn't really get to watch any of the Ottawa game. but Because um, there was another sporting event going on at the time, but we, we, we don't need to – yeah, we, we're yeah. not talking about that. Yeah. Giroux did score um, two minutes into the end of the game. Yeah, so that was that was cool. Very um, predictable. Yeah, but um, the Flyers end up winning. They score one goal in the first period, one goal in the second period, and Ottawa's lone goal comes from Giroux in the first period. So I mean, a little bit of a snoozer, I think. So kind of glad I didn't watch that. But uh, Columbus also just scored to make it one nothing. So that's good. Oh, of course and it did. Guess who scored? Johnny Goudreau. Yep. Predictable. Remember, it was too hard, Mastro. It, it was too hard to get him. It, it was too hard. Oh, my God. We have to – sorry, I have to tweet tweet about this. Um, But anyway, the – um, what's it called? So, yeah, they went against Ottawa. They come home to the Blues. And, I mean, that game was great. I watched that. Um, I mean, you were worried Central. a little bit beforehand when Carter Hart was out with an illness last minute. Yeah, um, but the Flyers, again, they, they hand the Blues their eighth straight loss, which is crazy, but um, Felix Sandstrom finally gets his first win of his career after his, it was his ninth start, so he played, took him nine games to get get one, but he finally got one. Um, and he played well. Yeah, and then Noah Cates had a goal, Owen Tippett had a goal, um, Konechny had a goal, I believe they all had a goal and an assist, so... I mean, a five to one win against a team like the Blues. Yes, they were struggling, but the Flyers. That it was a good, solid game. And like you said, Dave, they they controlled pace of the game all sixty minutes, which was good. 
So, again, nothing to really complain about with that one. That's a good Some solid good Tillies team. in that game, too. Yeah, good solid team win. And, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. So, I mean, a good, a good little stretch here for the Flyers, aside from a couple of those duds of losses between the Rangers and the, the Maple Leafs. But other than that, I mean, this team is pretty decent. I mean, again, they're they're building, they're they're still learning towards this system. Um, I think honestly, it's only a matter of time till Scott Lawton is named captain. You're seeing more and more reports here of John Tortorella pulling Lawton aside in the in the middle of practice to talk about things. Like at this point, he he's your captain. Um, it's just it's waiting until it, it's a matter of of uh, there's there's a word I'm looking for. It's a matter of just making it official. I guess it's just what I'll go with there. It's not the word I was looking for, but it works. Um, but you know, finally, you know, well deserving Felix Tantrum finally gets his first NHL um W, which was well deserved. You know, he's worked hard um for one time at a prospect who we thought could rival Carter Hart to be the goalie of the future. We know he's not that anymore. Um, but you know, as of right now, he's our backup goalie, so he needs to win some games here because at the rate he was going, it was looking like the Flyers might need to exercise another option here. But hopefully he can build off of that. When he got on uh, on Tuesday, but overall, I mean, the Flyers, you know, they're surprising everyone, but at the same time, you know, they're learning towards this system and they're building upon it every day. I feel like they're getting better. And what I love is that Torts and in, in his accountability, mm-hmm. you know, a player that the Flyers just committed long term money to in Ras in Ras in Rasmister Stalinen. Who you know, I feel like you know, I'm personally a fan of, but you know, he he doesn't bring it every night. And in years past, the regime would have just thrown him out there because of the financial commitment they made to him. He he was a healthy scratch, like in in the Ottawa game, I believe, due to his play. So you love to see that, and I feel like um, Carter Hart's been unreal this year. I mean, how many this this current Flyers team? gives me as of right now and again cautiously optimistic they are looking a hell of a lot like the john tortorella coached rangers teams that Mm -hmm. didn't have the best skaters up front and didn't have the best defense but they had an elite goaltender in the crease of course that was hendrick lundquist with the rangers and now it's carter hart well i have no problem saying is an elite goaltender because right now his numbers say that he is an elite goaltender in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League. So until he declines, that's a fact statement. Carter Hart's one of the best goaltenders in the NHL right now in the present moment. Yeah. Um, but my comparison is like the Flyers look a lot like those John Tortorella teams. You know, they're going to get outshot, but they might outplay the other team physically. They're going to depend on great goaltending. And when they get their chances, they're going to capitalize. They're not going to, you know, dominate the whole entire game. You know, they might get outshot by 15 maybe 20 shots sometimes. Is it a product of success that works long-term? No. Um, But you can build upon it, and eventually it does lead to, you know, more longer success. And I I know the analytic community is having a field day with the Flyers because all the analytics say the Flyers stink. But yet they keep on winning. Yeah. (laughs) You know? The, the question is, though, is, is it sustainable? And I, I, I agree with the analytics in there that what they're doing currently isn't sustainable. Like, 
they they can't keep on playing games like where they lose one nothing and get outshot in overtime heavily. You know, like the like the Rangers game, because mm-hmm. um, then that leads to your to a game where you get you know your asses handed to you by Toronto. If they can play games where they come back and they beat Ottawa, which has a good offense, two to one, solid defensive win. If they can play the way they played against St. Louis going forward, that's something this team can really build up off on. And as of right now, a lot of players who we years ago, you know, five, six, seven years ago said, if the Flyers are going to do anything, these guys are the key to the future. Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim. Sanheim's had up and down year. But for the most part, Konechny and Provorov have found like a renaissance, like, like a resurgence under Tortorella. So as of right now, cautiously optimistic. I am fully prepared for the other shoe to, to drop and the Flyers to suck. But as of right now, I'm a happy camper. I got no complaints. They're winning hockey games. All I wanted was a fun, enjoyable hockey game to watch this year. And that's what they provided so far. Yeah, I think um, it's good that Tortorella coming into tonight, this is his first time back in Columbus since he was coach of the Blue Jackets, and he's all business. He said in a press conference earlier, pretty much, he's like, I'm not worried about the sentimental things. I just want to play a hockey game. So, I mean, it's towards being towards where he's basically like, I don't give a shit. I just want to go in and play hockey. So he doesn't really care about the the sentimental things around the game, at least tonight. And the Flyers are currently down one nothing, like I said, but he's all business. And that's what this team needs is they need to be focused. They need to be a well-oiled machine. And we've seen Torts do that with teams in the past. They've gotten better. They haven't really had much success in the postseason. But, I mean, aside from the, the Blue Jackets um, sweeping the Lightning that one year, because he, he was the coach that season. Yeah, he was, right? the, he was the coach of the Lightning. So he, No, he was the coach of the the. the Blue Jackets. He did. I mean, he did coach the Lightning to a Stanley Cup in 04. So he, he did, but two, we don't want to talk about 2004. Don't yeah, want to talk about that. Don't. So, no, not another good year for the Flyers. Yeah. But Dave, I want to go back to what you said about st- uh, the sustainability of this, and I think I retweeted this the other day from Charlie O'Connor, and he was talking about it. Apparently, I'm going to read his tweets that I retweeted here, but he was talking about it on Broad Street Hockey Radio, and he was saying he's still not especially. This is almost verbatim. So thank you, Charlie, for this good analysis. He was saying, I'm still not especially optimistic about this team, 7-3-2 records notwithstanding. The inability to drive play will catch up with them eventually, and the roster lacks the kind of top-to-bottom talent to truly contend for anything meaningful. But that doesn't mean there haven't been good signs, namely the emergence of key 2,500 pieces like Hart, Konechny, Tippett, Allison, and Cates. They're all playing like they can be pieces of the next great Flyers team. To me, Charlie, that's the goal of this year. Find out who can play. So I think that sums it up perfectly where, like you said, Dave, again, this so far we've seen good things. But again, once it gets later in the season, once teams are firing on all cylinders, so to speak, and it gets closer and closer to when things really matter, I think the Flyers are just going to kind of not fall flat, but they're going to fall short because – they're just going to be outgunned by all these other teams. We saw, again, not to be pessimistic about it, but we saw every team around them get better this year, except for them. So at some point, it's, it's great. Again, like you said, as long as they're entertaining, you can't really ask for much more. You could obviously, you can ask for a Stanley Cup, but we know that's not happening anytime soon. Not in the cards. Yeah. 
But other than that, like you said, we just need entertaining hockey where you you look forward to watching the Flyers, where you know that they can at least put up a fight. Maybe they lose by a goal or two, but they, they play resiliently. They play hard. They play tough. They play towards hockey. And we've seen towards hockey be just, again, all business where you play your shift, you play defense, you support each other, you play hard, you block a shot, you do your thing, you don't get benched most of all. And again, he has he's had good hockey teams and he's gotten teams back on track. Granted, again, he doesn't have the longest shelf life as a coach, but that's when you hire someone else, then they come in and then you and he have, was in New York for a while. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's it's early in the season here. We don't know what's going to happen. This is just all speculation. And again, this team is terrible analytically, but on the ice, they haven't looked bad. So that's I mean, you you take from what we've been through the past two seasons, you take everything you have in stride. And yeah. granted, again, they're losing right now. Nick Delorier just got in a fight. Hopefully, maybe that sparks the team here, but. Uh, there's not really anything going on right now. I have the stream going in the upper corner of my iPad, but it's it's one game one game at a time. I mean, we've seen other teams lose eight games in a row, like the Blues. The Penguins just broke a six-game losing streak last night against the Washington Capitals, and they're also down and like three defensemen. Jeff Carter was playing defense last night for the Penguins. So wait, really? Yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> Jeff Carter defense. They only had three defensemen. I saw the game was on TNT. They showed also, too, that the Capitals were literally missing half of their cap room in players because they have multiple guys that are injured. So there's, I mean, the Metro. So the Capitals lost to the Penguins team that was playing Jeff Carter on defense. Yes. That's kind of pathetic. Yeah, I mean, and that's a nationally broadcast NHL game. (laughs) Hey, it wasn't the Flyers. Yeah. But I mean, again, I think for once, <laughs> these the the metro is a little bit depleted right now. So this could be a chance for the Flyers to try to jump on top of things. But again, I think as it gets later in the season, we'll see what this team is truly made of. And I again, I think they just kind of will get not outplayed, but just kind of outgunned at some point. I mean, it's uh, it's it's no. I'm just saying it's crazy that right now the Flyers actively have better records than these teams. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals, the New York Rangers, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. If we had gone back to our podcasts before the season started, during our Eastern Conference and Flyers season preview, and if I had told you on November 11th, Two weeks before American Thanksgiving, which is typically the the marker where, like, if you're in a playoff spot, your odds are you're going to be decent or close. Mm-hmm. If I were to go back and tell you this, that at this point in the year, the Flyers would have better records than those teams and be in a playoff spot. I think you would have told me I was crazy and I would agree with you. I'd be like, I am crazy for thinking this. Yeah. But here we are. Yep. Like it's. Tampa Bay, seven, five and one. Rangers six five and three, Washington they're under five hundred six seven and two, and see with the Penguins five six and two. And it, tonight's game as of right now it's it's set up to be a trap game. The Flyers are seven three and two, Columbus is three and nine. Mm-hmm. It'd be very on brand a typical Flyer for the Flyers to lose tonight. Yeah, and they're already there with Goudreau scoring the first goal for Columbus. 
the story is already written itself. Yeah, I mean, again, you you take with you take everything in stride with this team at this point. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves here, thinking that we're going to go on some magical run or anything like that. I think again, my my off the cuff response right now is that come playoff time, I think the Flyers are going to be in the mix, but not in the mix enough to make the playoffs. I think they'll be on the just outside the bubble, and I think we'll see them playing spoiler to other teams where you it, might that's have fine. Yeah, I mean, hell, I'll, I like if we can somehow like stop the the Penguins or the Capitals or even the Islanders from making the playoffs somehow. I'm all for it. So it's a small victory, exactly, and that's what we have to take with this team at this point. So, but again, I mean, one game at a time. It's good that we have Hart back tonight. Um, I saw that the I saw that Cam Atkinson did skate with the team this morning. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. Uh, Ryan Ellis is still out there somewhere with Bigfoot. And <laughs> Bigfoot and, and Yeti and Santa Claus and the Easter yeah. Bunny. And we have uh, we haven't heard anything lately on Coots. So I know he had surgery, so he's out yeah. long term. Yep. But um, but it's good that oh. it's good that uh, Atkinson's skating. The fact that yeah. he's skating and it's even in good spirits, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, you know, he returns this year and is and is a good player because he's a key. You know, he's a veteran leader, played mm-hmm. under torts, mm-hmm. and he, we need him to score goals. Yep. But I was going to say, too, before we move on to around the league, the last thing we can end on for a little bit of fun with the Flyers is that we did see the debut of the reverse retro 2.0 jerseys the other night against the St. Louis Blues. They look phenomenal on television. And then, more importantly, we saw the return of the Cooperalls for warm-ups. If you don't know the Cooperalls, you got to look them up. Uh, they're basically just long pants. But, I mean, the Flyers look great in the Cooperalls and the reverse retros. And... Uh, I think the jerseys are just on pre-sale right now, but I think no free ads for the Flyers, even though we're a Flyers podcast. But um, I mean, unless they want to hire us and sponsor us, then yeah, and they, all the free ads they want at that point. Yeah. And they, hey, they could take all the good publicity they can get at this point. But I think the the jerseys are on pre-sale for now, but they may be available at the Wells Fargo Center store starting the 15th along with other reverse retro apparel. So um, later this month... You they... know they're going to have them available for the Black Friday game against the Penguins. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But um, I think they'll be available online, too. So I'm going to have to de- definitely keep an eye out for that stuff. So, But if they make the Cooper Rolls available for purchase, I might just have to get the whole the whole damn get-up. The, so, the whole get-up? Yeah. but um, And that'll be my Halloween costume for next year already. <laughs> there we go thinking ahead but um yeah i mean other than that the the, the first period is just about a little bit more than halfway through here the flyers are down one nothing the blue jackets are currently showing a tortorella tribute video on their jumbotron so he was tort- in he was in columbus for like four or five years i'm pretty sure like, he was there the only place he really hasn't stuck very long was vancouver where he was there only for one season everywhere else yeah. he's coached tampa bay New York and Columbus, he's been there for a good minute in every city. Yeah. I mean, in- I mean so, but yeah, I mean, we, one game at a time here, the Flyers again are losing right now, but we'll we'll see how things unfold here tonight in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, to harp on, before we move on to around the league, Matt, you know, the, the Flyers, like, like I alluded to, 
Their current points leaders are players we expected to be doing this. Travis Konechny has 14 points in 12 games. Kevin Hayes has 12 points in 12 games. Tony D'Angelo, defenseman, 8 points in 12 games. Joel Farabee has 7 and 12. Provorov, Lawton, Tippett, JVR. He's only played 6 games due to injury, and he's going to be out for a little bit while, but he's got, he had 5 points before he got hurt. Wade Allison's got three goals. I mean, these are players, key players, and there's good depth. Um, so, you can only, I mean, it is concerning out so far. Um, I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about the Flyers picking up Kiefer Bellows off of waivers from the Islanders. Mm-hmm. He's only made it into three games so far. So far, I haven't really noticed him. No. And he's a minus one, and he's got zero goals, zero assists, or you guessed it, zero points. So. Yeah thinking maybe the islanders were right about something there but mm-hmm. you never know you never know could be wrong and uh we're seeing also too Igor zamula um has been kind of after a hot start he's been kind of faltering and having iffy games here and there so but i mean he's yeah. he, he's young and he's not really that seasoned in the league mm-hmm. so only time will tell but um you know, carter hart as of right now i mean six oh and two with a 197 goals against average and a 946 save percentage. I mean, that's those are best of numbers. Yeah. So. But, One game at a time, sir. Yep. That's all we can that's all we can do at this point. So, with that, Dave, we will again do our weekly zoom out from the Flyers and we'll go around the league talk about the news and noteworthy happenings around the NHL. And we got a pretty big one um, to start with tonight. The 2022 Hockey Hall of Fame class is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame on Monday, but there will be celebrations and such that will take place starting tomorrow with the official induction ceremony being on Monday at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, Canada. If you didn't know where that was, just letting you know. So we have a good group this year. We have... I mean, we've we grew up with a few of these guys, which is crazy that they're already in the Hall of Fame. Makes me feel old. But a lot of them are very like first. I think I think a couple of them are first ballot eligible. Like not yes. even waiting a couple of years to go in. Like they're in yeah. right away. So we have in the player category, we have Daniel Alfredson, Roberto Luongo, Rika Salinen, Finnish woman, I believe. Yes. Daniel Sedin, his brother Henrik Sedin. And then in the builder category, we have Herb Carnegie. So um, a little bit about, I'll, I'll start with Herb Carnegie because I don't really know much about him. But according to the Hall of Fame website, he's considered the best black hockey player to never play in the NHL. He was born in Toronto back in 1919 and grew up listening to Hockey Night in Canada, dreaming of one day following his Maple Leafs heroes to the NHL. But as the son is of Jamaican immigrants, the path was strewn with challenges for the young man. He honed his skating skills in the frozen ponds of North York, Ontario, with his brother Aussie. Herb went to went on to excel playing hockey with his school and was spotted by Ed Wildey of the Toronto Young Rangers, which was a junior A franchise in the Ontario Hockey Association. From there, he went on to have an ex- outstanding career playing junior and senior hockey and also was invited to training camp in 1948 for the New York Rangers. This is a hell of a long time ago. But um, let's see. 
The opportunity would have paid Herb less money than he was earning in Quebec, and he subsequently turned down the offer. At the time, he said, quote, the most devastating thing to me was knowing that players on my team were getting the opportunity whose record wasn't as good as mine, which clearly showed discrimination and racism of the highest order. But um, he played for the Quebec Aces from 1949 to 1950, and he was the mentor of one Jean Beliveau, ever heard of them, winning the championship together in 1952 and 53. And after four seasons playing with the Aces, he concluded his playing career with the Owen Sound Mercuries from 1953 to 54. Following his retirement, he enjoyed success in the investment industry, founded the Future Aces, one of Canada's first hockey schools in 1955, introduced the Future Aces Creed in an attempt to promote good attitude, cooperation, example, and sportsmanship among young people in 1956 and continues today within the Herbert H. Carnegie Future Aces, Aces Foundation, which was established in 1987, providing educational programming and bursaries for post-secondary education, a legacy to Carnegie's groundbreaking works. So, um, I mean, again, he's, sadly, he did pass away on March 9th of 2012 at the age of 92, but he'll be posthumously inducted into the Hall of Fame in the builder category again on Monday night. But you go through all of his accolades here on the Hockey Hall of Fame website. And again, he was such a great, a great, great person. Obviously went through a lot of hardships with the the racism that existed back in those days. But he persevered and just was able to grow the game any way he could, whether it was playing or just, again, mentoring those or just bringing awareness to uh, whatever he needed to do to, to help people like himself enjoy the game of hockey. Yeah, it sounds like to me, this is a player who should have been inducted a long time ago in, into the Hockey Hall of Fame, thanks Hockey yes. Culture. Um, but hey, he's finally going in now post, you know, yeah, tell me out here, post. Uh, posthumously? Yes, posthumously. Thank you, thank you. Vocabulary's hard. Um, I'm sure his family, it's a big honor for him and his family. Um, you know, it took a little bit too long for for Willie O'Ree to get in, into the Hockey Hall of Fame as well, but now he's in there, and now Herb Cargie's in there. So, about time hockey is kind of righting one of its wrongs here. So yes. this is he, he's done a lot for the game. Should have probably made it to the NHL at some point, but unfortunately, our world was not a great one back when he was playing hockey. So, um, hopefully, this means something big to his family, and it's it's a step in the right direction. Definitely. And then just again, before we get to the, the um, I don't want to, I don't mean this in the wrong way, the more well-known players, at least that we know, but um, Rika Salonen, just a, a little bit of a bio on her, was born, she was born on June 12th, 1973 in, I'm not even going to try this name, Ye, oh, I don't, yeah, I'm not even, she was born in Finland, um, I'm sorry to the Kunda Finnish people, <laughs> Um, I cannot pronounce that. I'm not going to try to I'm gonna butcher it. But she's regarded as one of the greatest European players in women's hockey history. She helped lead the Finns to a bronze at her final Olympic Winter Games back in 2018, becoming the oldest player to ever win an ice hockey medal at the Games. She played a total of 11 seasons in the Elite League in Finland and was a five-time champion as well. Through her peak, a, ling- a lingering knee injury and concussion sim- systems it was symptoms they meant to say there um but 
That basically forced her into an early retirement. Although she did return to play, picking up where she left off without missing a beat, she spent three seasons in the Finnish league. She joined HV71 of the SDHL in 2016 and captained the team from 2017 to 2019, contributing 119 points in 92 regular season games. Internationally, I mean, she had a hell of a career. She made her international debut in the 1989 Women's European Championship winning the championship that year and repeated in 93 and 95. She was also a member of Team Finland during the first IIHF-sanctioned Ice Hockey Women's World Championship in 1990, winning bronze that year and also in 92, 94, 97, 2015, and 2017. Also, the team took a silver in 2019 in her final World Championship, which took place on home ice in Finland. Um... She was also named captain of the captain of her team. Oh wait, she was named to the all-star team for the women's world championship in 92, 94, 97. The first player to be named in three consecutive tournaments. And then also at the first women's hockey tournament in the 1998 Olympic winter games, she led the entire Olympics uh, with 12 points, seven goals and five assists in six games, helping Finland to the bronze medal. And then as well in 2002, she helped Finland finish fourth, and then they finished fifth in Sochi in 2014 and rebounded again with a bronze medal in Pyeongchang, South Korea, back in 2018, which was her final Olympics. Again, she became the oldest player of any gender to win a medal in ice hockey at the Olympics, passing fellow Finn, Timu Solani. Heard of her? So, heard of him, sorry. But... Again, I mean, a a laundry list of accolades here and a well-deserved induction into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And again, another towering figure, not just in women's hockey, but in the game of hockey in general. Yeah, I've got nothing to add on. Hell of a resume. Sounds like a hell of a player. Not a Finnish fan, but I'm sure if I was... if If there's another alternate universe where I'm a Finnish hockey fan, I'm sure I've heard of her. Yeah. Hell of a career, definitely worthy of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Definitely. And then with the other four inductees all being NHL names, we have Daniel Alfredson, Roberto Luongo, and the Sedin Twins. Again, Dave, we grew up with these guys just watching them dazzle on the on the ice, uh, whether it was in the obviously in the NHL, in the Olympics, and other world hockey events. But if you want to just kind of give a blanket statement on these four guys, all I'll say is, again, like you said, first ballot Hall of Famers. They, the Sedins, obviously, and Luongo never got to the top of the mountain. Neither did Alfredson. Yep. So, I mean, they didn't win a cup, but, I mean, they were hell, They were all just great players. They'll be remembered forever in their franchises and beyond. So, great players and, again, just well-deserving of a Hockey Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, it's weird that you see a Hockey Hall of Fame induction where no one that was involved in the in the NHL never won a Stanley Cup. Like I feel like this this is an oddity. Um, but I mean Daniel Alfredson, this holy Swede with Alfredson and the Sedins. Can you imagine if they were ever aligned together at one point for Team Sweden? That's just like pure dominance. I mean, Alfredson had besides being incredibly skilled. He could be an absolute dick on the ice when he wanted to be. I mean, I remember watching the cup final uh, in 2007 when um, the senators led by him 
you know, they had Danny Heatley and Jason Spezza play the Anaheim Ducks. And, of course, Ray Emery was on the team as well. And I remember he took a hell of a slash at Scott Niedermeyer. And it was like a dirty play. But he had that streak where if you crossed him, hell hath no fury. Watch out. Um, so hell, he could do it all. He could beat you physically. He could beat you on the scoreboard. And he was a hell of a leader. I mean, he was captain of Ottawa pretty much ever since he arrived there. And he ended his career, he ended his career with, with Detroit. Probably shouldn't have happened that way, but Ottawa mm-hmm. did some questionable things. Uh, Roberto Luongo, I mean, another player the New York Islanders gave up on way too early and traded away to uh, the Florida Panthers where he kind of got his resurgence and really became an elite goaltender. Then they moved him to Vancouver. When Vancouver wanted to get a good goaltender to go with the Sedines and make, take the next steps, they came close but lost. Mm-hmm. Um He's up there in top five, I think, in NHL in wins, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's, but he's, up four. he's up there in losses, too, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, That's what happens when you play for as long as they do. Exactly. And he, he has a great time in Vancouver, signs a terrible contract that he himself admitted, if I could void out myself out of my own contract, I would. Um, he gets sent, traded then back to Florida when Florida looks to reacquire him to try and take their next step. Um, with some of their younger talent they had a couple years ago, but they could never just get it done. They weren't, re- they, they're not the team they are now. They were when they reacquired Luongo. They thought he would be a next piece, but but he just wasn't that goalie that he was with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got to retire where he really, his career began essentially because the Islanders didn't give him a shot. You know, he met his wife in Florida, his wife's family's from there. So that's, he considers that home now. So, that's kind of a feel-good story, and, and the Sedins. I mean, what what can you not say about Hendrick and Daniel? We got Daniel, um, who was the sniper, and Hendrick, who was the playmaker, and they were just eating up the league in their prime. I mean, it was Vancouver Canucks. You know, at the time, their GM was um, was it Jim? No, drafted the Sedins. He was, he was actually the Brian Burke. Um, he pulled some strings to make sure he had the second and third overall picks in the draft mm-hmm. to draft both them, you know, uh, second and That's third. Um, I mean, they, just, they were absolutely dominant. It, it, the combination of of the Sedins with the Wongo and Nett, it amazes me. The Canucks only went to the cup final once yeah. and lost in seven. Like, they should have... If that team had its flaws and they collapsed big time in the playoffs, but I mean, they should have at least, if not won one cup, they should have been to more than one cup final. I mean, yeah. but their, their regular season records and accolades were unreal. And they're two of the best in the, the Sedin twins. They're arguably, if you name off best Swedish players ever, you know, you're thinking Peter Forsberg, Nicholas Lidstrom, and I put the Sedin twins. Mm-hmm. You know, right there. With yeah. Them. So, uh, phenomenal career. Really wish they would have won a cup, but they're both actively now back with Vancouver working for the team. Mm-hmm. So, maybe they'll get it in their post-playing career. But, um, I mean, everyone in, in this Hall of Fame class is definitely worthy, and there's a hell of a lot of talent here. And some longevity. All these players played for a friggin' long time. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they all they have all had lasting impacts on the game. So, again, well-deserved by all of them. Looking forward to seeing what the celebrations are like this weekend. And, again, the induction taking place on Monday night. 
uh, probably, I would assume, I'm not sure if NHL Network will be broadcasting it. But, they normally do. Yeah. So. And then there's also the uh, the Legends Classic on the 13th, um, which is between Team Sundin and Team uh, Lindros, which mm-hmm. I think that game is really broadcast on, on the NHL Network, too, which is always a nice little fun alumni game to tune into. There we go. So some good celebration stuff coming up this weekend. But again, Dave, we go back to current times here on Thursday night. And just a couple more things here for around the league, just to keep it short. I will say before we go, uh, before we move on, there have been some injuries, sadly, and also a couple of suspensions, but we won't go into that because they're very well known as well. So um, if you need to look them up, obviously feel free on NHL.com. So, but um, just a couple more things here too, Dave, we did have. Oh, the um, Flyers are losing. They're down two nothing. Yeah. Columbus first, first intermission. So, but. Speaking of, of all-time great goalies, we had some other goalie news today, today, yes, earlier this morning, but former Devils goaltender Martin Brodeur was named Executive Vice President of Hockey Ops for the New Jersey Devils this morning. The Hall of Fame goalie signed a multi-year contract to remain with the team. Before now, he'd been an Executive Vice President slash Advisor to General Manager Tom Fitzgerald in the Hockey Ops Department since January 12th of 2020, while also working as a liaison to the team's business ops side. His new role will allow him to focus just on hobby, hobby, hockey operations full-time. Brodor was quoted saying, I'm definitely excited about the opportunity that Tom is giving me here. Obviously, I've been working alongside him for a bit now, but it's now more an efficient and official capacity. With history I have with this franchise, I'm excited to be a part of the years coming about, getting some success here and getting back to where the Devils are supposed to be, a winning franchise. We're on our way there, not there yet, but it's exciting times. Um, you can't really say much about Brodor. I mean, he's the greatest. He's the winningest goaltender of all time. And I can't say that Patrick Wan and Dominic Hastick were better because they both were. And I'll stick to those guns. Skill-wise, I think they were definitely better goalies. But, again, he retired as the NHL's all-time leader in wins with 691. Games played with 1,266. Shutouts with 125. 40-win seasons with eight 40-win seasons. 13 30-win seasons. And also sported a 113-91 record with a 2.02 goals against average, .919 save percentage, and an NHL record 24 shutouts in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He won the Vezina as the best goalie in the NHL four times. His number 30 was retired by the Devils on February 9th of 2016, and it was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame two years later. So, again, if you don't know Marty Brodeur, you don't know hockey. He played the Flyers for so many years, but it was, I mean, we, we saw, I think I saw his, I might have seen his 500th win in person. Um, but again, played the Flyers for as long as I can remember as, as a young, a young lad. And when he finally retired, I was like, okay, good. We don't have to see him in the crease anymore. But again, the, the winningest goaltender in NHL history, and he holds a a number of other records as well. But Dave, again, I know you have different opinions, but stats don't lie. So, hey, I mean, he it's it's because, you know, it proved that he did all those things just because the devil system they play with, because he goes to St. Louis to try and keep his career going, and he was garbage. 
So, yeah. you know, system as, as lovely, our good old goalie for dump and change ice hockey, Paul Thomas Corleo, Corio, Cornelio has said systems goalie, Martin Brunner. But any hoodles, I mean, you're right. Stats don't do lie. He did all the, he did do all those things. Good for him. Yes. Pepe, Patrick was better than you sucking. Um, <laughs> but no, he's being groomed to be the next GM of the devils. I don't think I mean, as of right now, the devils are, are surprising everyone and they're, they're like first in the division. Did not see that coming. Um, but no, eventually, whenever Tom Fitzgerald does lose his job, he's their next general manager. I mean, it just makes obvious sense what they're doing. So, yeah, good for definitely. you, Marty. Congratulations. I hope you are terrible at your job. <laughs> Speaking of new jobs for people, we have another addition. Yeah, another addition to the broadcasting side of the game with retired now retired defenseman pk suban signing a multi-year contract with espn earlier today according to nhl.com the retired nhl defenseman will make his season debut in the coming weeks work primarily as a studio analyst for nhl coverage and be on site for select games throughout the regular season he was also again if you didn't see him he was in studio during espn's coverage of the 2022 stanley cup playoffs last season and he was quoted saying for a long time, I've sat in the locker room with teammates and discussed what it would be like to be on the other side as an analyst. I have vested interest in growing the game and know the importance of the rapidly expanding sports landscape. So I look forward to bringing my unique insights from having recently been on the ice and now my off-ice perspective. He'll also host PK's Place, part of the Places Universe expansion on ESPN+, Plus, starting next year, which the show will examine the history of hockey and the NHL, with Subban visiting some of his favorite people and places in the sport. If you didn't know, he retired from the NHL back in September, the same day that Zdeno Chara and Keith Yandel both announced their respective retirements. He played 13 seasons in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens, the National Predators, and the New Jersey Devils. And, I mean, again, had some great accolades throughout his career as well, but never winning a Stanley Cup. Got close with the Preds in 2017? Yeah. Yeah. When they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Gross. Boo. So, but Subban's always been a, a great personality, whether you like him or not. Um, and I think he's going to do a great job on ESPN. He kind of will, you can, comparable to, like, the biz nasty of ESPN. Not as controversial at times, yeah. Uh, but K was made for television. Like he's oh, yeah. he was a great player and he's a great personality. He's something the game needs on TV broadcasting the game. And I would also love to see him maybe be in the booth doing color or on ice uh, in between the benches coverage one day. I mean, I just feel like he's made to cover hockey now. Like that, he's already found his second career, his post playing career. It, it's this. Who knows, maybe one day he goes to management, but I feel like with his personality and how much he knows about the game and the player analysis he can provide, he, he was meant to do this after yeah. retiring. And it, and we we called it. I'm pretty sure when we were when, when we were talking about him retiring, we were like, it's only a matter of time until ESPN or TNT nails him down with a contract to be on their hockey coverage. So yeah. here it is. Well deserved. And congrats to PK on the new job. Definitely. So I'm excited to see. I, I like seeing him on the coverage of the playoffs this past year, um, and I think he he fits right in with those guys. And he pretty much took Tortorella's job after Torts came back to coach. So different styles, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, but um, 
from getting hired to I'm going to try to segue here from getting hired to ESPN to trying to buy a team that did not work at all. Um, you know, you know what I'm getting at, Dave, but um, getting hired to acquired. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we can go with that. So okay. our last subject. We've done better. Tonight, yeah, we've done better. I, that was too much of a stretch. I broke the segue. <laughs> so our last topic of discussion tonight is a little bit of a fun one, just lighthearted, all that jazz. But back on the 5th of this month, it was announced that the process of selling the Ottawa Senators had begun. And in recent days, one Ryan Reynolds of Deadpool, Deadpool fame most recently has expressed interest in purchasing purchasing said franchise. So uh, just the other night, he was in attendance at the, I think it's the, oh, yeah, the Canadian Tire Center, which is the Senators Arena. He was shown on the Jumbotron and got a warm welcome from the crowd, a standing ovation from the crowd, after it was put to light that he expressed interest in buying the franchise. He also was on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on Monday night and literally said, I am trying to buy the Senators and said, it's very expensive, so I need a partner with really deep pockets. It's called a consortium. When you form a group together to buy an entity and it's such a fancy way of saying, I need a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy. And if that doesn't work <laughs> out, I'll buy a U.S. Senator, which anyone can afford. So, Badooch! Yeah, but... Also, Commissioner Gary Bettman was asked about the idea of Reynolds buying the Senators, and basically, um, you never, I never thought I would hear Gary Bettman say the words "sugar mommy" and "sugar daddy." So yeah, but I mean, Ryan Reynolds just a, a, a very well like a loved guy. Him and uh, oh, I'm forgetting Rob McElhaney from all. It's always sunny. Obviously, most recently bought a. Premier League team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, FC Wrexham. So, um, basically kind of like the real-life Ted Lasso in that situation with those two guys. Wait, I thought that was a show. They actually Owning bought the team? Uh, what? I thought that was a show. They actually yeah, they, they the actually team? They actually own the team. I swear to God. <laughs> I'll let you Google it right now. Wrexham Football Association. Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure they own. Yeah, they owners. Team. R. R. McReynolds Company LLC. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McLean. They they created their own company for it. Yeah. Yep. So, like I said, it's a real life Ted Lasso where you have two Americans buying a British Premier League team, and that, that's the that's like the show on FX where they it's I think it's Welcome to Wrexham. And they have okay. like the, the behind the scenes of them getting yeah. to know the, like the franchise and such. So, yeah, they're well. they're in Wrexham, Wales. They they compete in the National League, which is the fifth tier of the English Football League system. Gotcha. They're the oldest club in Wales and the third oldest in the professional association of uh, football in, in in the entire world. So they're not they're not the greatest team out there. No, but, but hey, they you, could become something great. The, the more you know, Dave. Exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, again. Ryan Reynolds, the owner of a football team, and could be soon the owner, or at least part owner, of an NHL team. Although he is from Vancouver, he is still well-liked by the Ottawa fans. Because he said he actually spent a lot—he grew up between—like, he 
was born he was born in Vancouver. I believe he said he was born in Vancouver and spent his early childhood there, but then he spent like his teenage years outside of Ottawa. Yep. So it, it's something that always means well to him. So I mean that's I mean, hey, if you're Ryan Reynolds, you got the dough. So I mean, why not? I mean, fans since fans have kind of been looking for a way to get Melnick out because a lot of fans didn't really like the ownership of, of Eugene Melnick. Yeah. Um his family. Um, but you know, hey, I mean, I feel like Ryan Reynolds would be a great owner to have. Yeah, definitely. So there are worse we'll, people. Like he's actually like you hear all these terror stories of who owns professional sports teams, and you go, Oh, Ryan Reynolds? I like Ryan Reynolds. Good guy. Makes funny movies. I no, no complaints for me. I sadly did not win the Powerball, but I think if I did win the Powerball, one of the first things that I would do would probably try to buy a sports franchise. Depending on how much the Powerball was and how how much you get after taxes. Well, I mean, if we go off this most recent jackpot, the jackpot was $2.4 billion. And the the actual payout after taxes was almost a billion dollars. So you could buy, you could at least, you could buy, I don't know, I don't know. Let's see. You probably couldn't buy any of the original six teams in the NHL. For curiosity. But you could probably buy, I think the Flyers are worth a one. I'm looking it up right now. Billion. Um... You could buy the Kraken, maybe. In twenty <sighs> franchise value. They just came out with those those recently too. The the worth of all the teams. Hey, hold on. That's okay. One point two billion as of Flyers. December twenty twenty one. Is that for the Flyers? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we need some pocket change to. Their operating income is a negative forty eight million dollars. <laughs> So, they were purchased hey, I mean, in 1996 to... for $150 million. Well, hmm. you'd have to buy a lower-tier franchise than the Flyers, I guess. Yeah, they're ranked number sixth on in Forbes. Gotcha. So I guess the business of hockey. I think, again, if I'm a millionaire somehow, some way, someday... I'm buying. I would like to be a part owner at least of a sports franchise because I think that that's like the ultimate thing to do if you have that much money. Uh, you could buy the Detroit Red Wings. There you go. Uh, the Islanders, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Kraken, Canucks, Devils, Stars, Knights. The ultimate revenge: buy the Pittsburgh Penguins and then dissolve Move the franchise. Them. Yeah, or relocate them. <laughs> relocate them to like somewhere where you know it's going to tank, like, like like Arizona. A second team in Arizona. There we go. Or go up to like Connecticut. Like, <laughs> bring back like the Hartford Whalers. Oh boy. That'd oh, be God. evil. I mean, if you had that much money, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted to. So, yeah, but yeah just, a, just a little fun fact there to end the night. And, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, some some good hockey being played by the Flyers. We're, only time will tell how they, they go from here. They're, again, losing to the, the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-0 right now. The first period is over. The second one's about to start. So we'll wrap things up here, Dave, and we'll get to watch the, the latter stages of this game tonight. Yes, definitely. So, uh, you know, not really too much to outro with here this week. You know, hope the Flyers can keep it up. Another good uh, 
good couple of hockey games to watch as always. Good action around the league, like you mentioned. Some crazy suspensions where NHL Department of Player Safety dropped the ball in a couple of them, if you ask me, as per yeah, usual. What's, what's new with that? Exactly. Um, but any hoodles with that, we wish everyone, you know, good luck to the Flyers tonight. Hopefully they, hopefully they can come back and beat the Blue Jackets because you do not want to lose to Johnny Goudreau. Just, just remember, Matt, it was too hard to, to sign him. It was too hard to get that done. Um, but coming before we do log off, coming up, obviously, important games here. Uh, of course, Saturday, Claude Drew returns home, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Flyers play a back-to-back this weekend, a back-to-back at home ice. They hosted mm-hmm. the, the Dallas Stars 1 o'clock on Sunday. And they go on a little road trip before uh, coming home for the week of Thanksgiving. Um, they play the Blue Jackets, a rematch next Tuesday the 15th. And they're away in Boston on the 17th and away in Montreal on the 19th. So all, all some good action coming up. Hopefully we can see. We, we will reassess where the team is next week when we conjure for our podcast. But until then, everyone, we wish you a good night and good hockey.